Manners, manners. What's up, y'all? How y'all doing? Y'all good? Good. Well, I'll tell you, I am peacock proud and hyena happy to be in the house today. I'm telling you. Uh, and, and my man, Mike Erie, me and Mike go back, a uh, great friend of mine. Uh, kind of wish he was here today, but then again, not really. Because Mike, even though the weather's crazy outside, he'd still be wearing some shorts, man. And I can't handle Mike's legs, man. I'll tell you. And the problem is, I mean, the legs are nice, they're just so white, you know? And I, you know, I got, you know, I like white stuff. I wear white shirts, white people, white clothes, white food. You know, I like white stuff. But then he, his legs are like Mufasa white. It's like, ooh, Mufasa, I don't want to see it again. Ooh. So, you know, just, so, you know Mike's a good guy. He doesn't need to put on some pants. Um, uh, put that on a T-shirt. I like that. I like that. It's a new marketing campaign. Our pastor's a good guy. He just needs to wear pants. Um, but Mike, Mike is a good friend, and I am so honored uh, to be here with you guys. And I'm telling you, I'm so excited about what God is doing in the life of this church. It's crazy. Uh, just hearing the stories about what the Lord has been doing and y'all knocking out walls and stuff. I mean, I come from churches where we knock out people. But you know what I mean? It's like, it's so cool to be able to knock out walls instead. How amazing. So it's been a blessing to get to know Mike and Tim and the whole team that's just running this place. Would you just give it up for your team uh, that's leading? Here, here, this place. Now, this same team told me I ain't got a long time to preach. You know, I got this clock right here. Y'all know that's like kryptonite to a black preacher. It really is. <laughs> you know, we, we, we just don't get along. It's like, oh, so, uh, so, so, so I got this clock on me. So normally I would take time and tell you about my wife, my kids. But, hey, I just ain't got that kind of time this morning. Um, so, so, so I'll put it to you like this. I saw this fine woman one day. Uh, I got her number. We kissed, uh, got married, kissed some more, had two kids. John chapter 4 is where you can find me this morning. <laughs> John chapter 4. John chapter 4, verse 4. It's a very familiar passage of scripture. talks about this infamous woman at the well, this Samaritan woman. John chapter 4, verse 4. If you got your, uh, your blue books, uh, your blue Bibles out there, it's on page what, 8. 863, 863, and my Bible is on page 980, but that is meaningless information. Um, John chapter 4, verse 4, here we go. He had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town to Samaria called Sachar near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. Uh, it was about noon when a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. Uh, the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself as did his sons, also his flocks and his herds? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, 
give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much for the privilege of being able to open up this sacred book. Uh, It is through the words of this book, the life of this book, that lives are transformed and people are no longer the same, but eternally changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, God, we take this book and we don't take it lightly. We thank you for the privilege of being able to gather together publicly and discuss and dialogue and share your scriptures and worship with all the freedom. We don't have to worry about the police coming in and shutting us down because, God, we have the freedom to be able to worship you. Now, God, we invite you into this place. Um, And that we would be liberated um, and and freed up to experience all that you would have for us today. Uh, God, I pray that we would be transformed not from eloquent speech, but by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. May we never be the same again, but eternally transformed, eternally changed by the power of your word. Now, Father, I ask that you would stand in my body, think through my mind, speak through my vocal cords. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, may they be acceptable in thy sight. Oh, Lord, you are my strength. You are my redeemer. Have your way in this place. In Jesus' name, every heart said amen. 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 This, this text starts out with a, very, with a very powerful line. It says, we must needs go through Samaria. Now, at first glance, it seems like just an empty phrase, no big deal. They're just giving some navigational updates. No, 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 no. Uh, when, when we look at this, this statement has huge implications, huge implications. If we hit rewind and understand the cultural context, it was normal for Jews and Samaritans to avoid each other because they didn't like each other. Jews hated the Samaritans because they were this mixed group. They called them mongrels, these mutts of society and culture because they had intermarried and entertained other gods and they, 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 they had mixed. And so, so Jews had this disdain for Samaritans, so much so that they didn't want to be around Samaritans. So even though it added to their journey, they would go around Samaria just to avoid having to see Samaritans. With gas, $4 a gallon, can you imagine adding to your journey to avoid somebody? But that's what they did. Uh, and gas, I'm sure, was, was a little cheaper back then. But they, they, would, they would go around and they, because they didn't want to see Samaritans. They didn't want to be around Samaritans. So you've got, you've got to understand, you've got to know that the disciples were, were caught, were taken aback when they get ready to turn right to go around Samaria. And Jesus turns left and says, no, we must must go through Samaria. Because following Jesus means we go through the hard places. Following Jesus means we don't allow the cultural constructs of the world that divide people to lead and guide and to shape our journey. No, when we follow Jesus, we go through the cultural constructs. We go through the dividing walls. We go through the the perpetuated uh, racism and injustices and the prejudice against people, and we go through it. So if you're going to follow Jesus, no, we're not going to go around the Samaritans. We're not going to ignore the Samaritans. We're going to go through Samaria because following Jesus means we engage all people, regardless of who they are, what color they are, how they've intermarried, regardless of who they are, we engage all people. 
This is so encouraging to me as we live in a time where, where cultural constructs and classes divide one another and we live these separate lives and we stick with our own. I, I love it because it says if you're going to follow Jesus Christ, we don't have that opportunity. We don't get that privilege. We intentionally live life with people that don't live like us, don't look like us. We intentionally engage all people because all people are worthy of the gospel because we were all made in his image. Contrary to popular belief, friends, when we get to heaven, it won't be a white section, won't be a black section, won't be an Asian section, won't be a Latin section. But the Revelation 7-9 talks about every tongue, every tribe, every nation, all coming together with one voice, declaring the greatness and the glory of God, saying, worthy is the lamb that was slain. That's what the gospel of Jesus Christ does. And that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We go through Samaria. Now, parenthetically, if there was a black section in heaven, y'all know the music would be off the chain. Y'all know that. Y'all know. Y'all know. It would be be good. I'm sorry. Off the chain. Um, Extremely well put together, rhythmically in tone and exciting music. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Off the chain. Y'all know it would be hopping, right? Jesus says, although there are these cultural constructs, although these, these natural divides, followers of Jesus Christ, we go through them. We don't allow them to separate. Our politics don't separate us. Our culture, our class, it doesn't separate us. We engage with all people. I remember uh, growing up in, uh, in, in Mississippi and, and God calling me to California. And I moved out to California to work. And I had experienced all black church all my life because, you know, I'm, I'm black. Um, I know, it surprised me too. I was like, whoa, really? Um, so uh, the Lord called me here and I worked at a predominantly just a white church. You know, it was really actually like 60 percent white and 40 percent everything you can imagine. Stuff I never heard of in Mississippi. Uh, never heard of Armenian people in Mississippi. Just never heard of. Met this great Armenian couple. Uh, we only had one car. This couple, Gil and Carrie Gazanian, gave us a car. I've been loving Armenians ever since, man. I love them. I love them. But we go, you know, and I'm the youth pastor at this church this some six years ago. I, they hired me on to be the youth pastor. And, you know, most of my youth group is white. And, you know, and I'm sitting there and, you know, youth pastor, you're supposed to find, like, common things that you enjoy doing and hang out and kind of get to know each other. Well, that was hard for a brother, you know, because, because they come in and say, Pastor, let's go, let's go hiking. <laughs> hiking? Like, like, what do you mean hiking? Explain to me what hiking is. Well, we're going to go in, we're going to climb up the side of a mountain, and then we're going to come back down. <laughs> oh, we're going to go and climb up on some mountain, and we get up there, ain't going to be no barbecue or no pool party or nothing. we just going to go up there and just turn right back down. Oh, you can have that. My people didn't climb enough rough sides of the mountains. We don't need to be climbing no mountains. We, I'm done with that. You know, it's just, it's just cultural disconnects. I mean, I mean, honestly, y'all, I can watch the news and just think to myself, you know, I mean, that just some things my people, we just don't do. We just, it just ain't us. I mean, I'm watching the news. A news story came on, and it says, uh, man mauled by bear. I'm thinking, that ain't us. That ain't, that ain't my people. See, because... We ain't nowhere with no bear just running around. You know, we, just, we ain't over there. You know what I mean? That's that girl and her daddy hiking. That's who that is, you know? That just ain't us, you know? 
But I loved it as, as I got into these relationships, as we got into one another's lives, those cultures divide and separate us. They became points of celebration because the gospel brings us together and it trumps all of those things. The gospel becomes the centerpiece of our relationship and we become this full expression of what the true family of God is because we reflect his kingdom and all of his glory because of our differences. Jesus is saying we must go through Samaria. We must make intentional turns as followers of Jesus Christ to engage people that don't look like us, that don't live like us, and don't vote like us. Amen. And here's somebody. That, that, that's what he said. He says we must needs go through Samaria, and the text would reveal that there was significant purpose in him being in Samaria. They go into Samaria, and there's this, there's this well there in the, in the town square. There's this well where they would come, and they would meet at the well, and Jesus is there at the well. The disciples went off to go get something to eat at the local 7-Eleven, and this woman... This woman came and she came with her water pot because it is at the well where you come and get your supply of water. She came with her water pot and Jesus is standing there at the well. And, and I love it, y'all. I, I love the way Jesus engages this woman. Jesus, Jesus has some game. Jesus has some game. I'm sorry, game. He persuasive of speech in a way to influence his listeners to follow along with him. Uh, he had game. He just had game. He, so listen, listen to how Jesus comes at this woman. Listen, and listen to how he approaches her. So she's standing there with the water pot. Jesus sitting right there. He looks at her and he says, give me something to drink. <laughs> true, true, story, true story. It's in the Bible. Uh, and the woman, I mean, lo- I love that. The, it's like this attitude in the text. If you read the scripture, you see this attitude, this tone in the text. The woman looks at Jesus and says, first of all, why are you even talking to me? Your people don't like my people. My people don't like your people. So why are you even talking to me? <laughs> Jesus, he ain't, even, he ain't tripping at all. He ain't, uh, I'm sorry, tripping. Uh, discouraged or dismayed by the lack of uh, appreciation for her comments. Uh, uh, he ain't tripping. He ain't tripping at all. He says, if you knew who I was, you would have asked me for some water. And I would have given you living water. First of all, you ain't even got a cup. And it's living, you got your own brand of water or something? You got your own kind of water? Oh, you special? Oh, you fancy, huh? You fancy, nah. You got your own special kind of water? This is Jacob's well. Jacob built this well. Jacob drank from this well. Jacob's children drank from this well. Jacob's flocks, Jacob's curds, Jacob's dog drank from this well. Jesus looks at her and says, whoever drinks from this well, whoever drinks this water will be thirsty again. But the water that I will give, you will never ever thirst because the water that I give will be living water. And this living water will dwell within you and it will spring up within you new eternal life and you will never have to thirst again. Can I have some of that water, please? Because this woman knew what it was like to be thirsty. 
This woman knew what it was like to have to keep coming to this well over and over and over again and never be satisfied, never ever be thirsty. So the idea of her having something that could dwell within her, the idea of her having something within her life that could spring up and satisfy her and give her some new way of living, give her this new life was extremely attractive to her. So she immediately said, sir, give me this water so that I won't have to keep coming to this well. So I won't have to keep having the same cycle of life so I can break this cycle and I can have a new way of living. Give me this water. And Jesus responds to her and says, if you want this water, go get your husband. The plot tickets. Because, because, because Jesus knew something about this woman that hadn't yet been revealed in the text. We, he exposes something about this woman that we hadn't seen yet, but we'll soon begin to realize that this woman was no ordinary woman. This woman was, wasn't just the normal woman. This woman was coming at noontime. When all the other women were coming top of the morning, she was coming at noontime for a special reason because this woman was a woman. Oh, how do I say this in church? She was, a, she was a woman of the night, if you will. Uh, uh, y'all, y'all, y'all still not getting it. Uh, let me see. She was, a, she was a woman with a, ah, that's it, that's it. She was a woman with a, with a, with a men's ministry, if you will. Uh, uh, y'all got it now. Y'all got it. Y'all got it. Y'all got it. Jesus says, she says, she says, I don't have a husband. Jesus says, you're right when you say you don't have a husband. As a matter of fact, you've had one, two, three, four, five husbands, and the man that you're sleeping with now is not your husband. She says, I want the living water. He says, go get your husband. She says, I don't have one. He says, you're right, because you've had five and you're sleeping with a man that's not your husband. Jesus in that moment exposes this woman in a way that she didn't expect, exposes this woman in a way that probably scared her son, exposed her in a way because he says, if you want this living water, if you want this water to dwell in you and spring up, you've got to go get your husband, go get the area in your life that you're not proud of. Go get the area in your life that you're embarrassed about. Go get the area in your life that's filled with shame and guilt. Go get the area in your life that you don't talk about in small groups. Go go get the area in your life that you don't bring up when it's prayer request time. Go go bring me the area in your life that you would love to keep secret so nobody knows. Go Bring me the area in your life that you'll invest time, that you'll invest money into covering it up and hiding it so that every, no one would ever, ever know about this dark area in your life. He says, go get your husband. See, because many times we want the living water. Many times we want whatever that the Lord has to offer us, especially that will satisfy our souls. And when we say, Lord, give me this filling, fill me with this water. He says, yeah, I'll fill you. But bring me your husband. Because he knows that you'll never experience the fullness of what God has for you. You'll never experience all that he has for you if you're still holding on to the secret places in your life. If you're still holding on to the things that you hide and that you cover. You're still holding on to the pornography addiction. You're still holding on to the relationship that you know that isn't God honoring. You're still holding on to that greed for money. You're still holding on to those insecurities that regardless of how, how, how pretty people say you look and regardless of how expensive your shirt is or regardless of how, how much makeup and how, how pretty you are, every time you look in the mirror, you still don't like what you see. 
And we church people, we got this down. Those of us that come to a place like this on regular, we, we have it down. We do it well because we, we'll come into a place like this and we'll, we'll have on our, 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 our Sunday go-to-meeting clothes, which around here is shorts, flip-flops, and a tank top, um, <laughs> which we'll, we'll have on it. But most importantly, we'll put on our church face. You, you know the church face. The church face that says, everything's fine. Everything in my life is akuna matata. What a wonderful phrase. Uh, my family's fine. My marriage is fine. My finances are fine. Everything's fine. We got even church responses. People will ask us, how are you doing? And we'll say, oh, I'm praise the Lord. I'm blessed and highly favored. If it got any better, I couldn't stand it. Shut up. You just lying? <laughs> because if the truth were to be told, you cried yourself to sleep last night. If the truth were to be told, your credit card payments are as high as your mortgage payments because you keep living way beyond your means so that everyone can see that you can keep up. I know it may, it's, 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 I, I know it may not be like this in Orange County. I live in Pasadena. Maybe it's just for Pasadena people. <laughs> but we go to church and we sit together. Although last Wednesday we had an appointment with our divorce lawyer. We... We, we come to church and we sing, here I am to worship. And we're fighting with our teenage children. And not disagreeing. We're fighting. We're saying names. We're calling names. We're saying stuff that, we, that, if, that, if, that, if, that if the people knew, we, we'd be ashamed to lift our heads. Jesus says to this woman, bring me your husband. Bring me that stuff. Bring me the addiction that has you putting everybody to sleep at night and in the midnight hour you slipping in the TV room watching things you shouldn't be watching. Bring me that stuff. Bring me the stuff that leaves you after a meal going to the bathroom to throw up because the idea of you gaining one more pound you can't stand and before you gain another pound you just throw up every meal. That's the kind of stuff he's talking about. Bring me the stuff that you dare not, you dare not ever talk about publicly, especially around other Christian people, because the assumption is we look around this room and we think, oh, well, they look so happy. They must have it together. And I must be the only one struggling because everyone else looks so happy. Bob and Dick, Bob and Bob and Jane, they look so happy. Look at them. Their kids are so well behaved. Their stroller, they got that great stroller that we couldn't afford. Look at that stroller. Look at her. She must be a great mom. I bet she never gets upset with her kids the way I get upset with mine. Look at him. He's such a faithful, he's so faithful to her. Look at him. He just, uh, and we look. You never know. You never know that they're struggling in their marriage. And yeah, he's faithful. He works hard. As a matter of fact, he works her hard. His wife feels like his job is a mistress. Because he works all the time, overtime, extra time, trying to make sure that he can provide everything for his family. And at night, he himself is feeling empty because he's trying to define himself by what he does. But what he does is inadequate. And it'll never be able to fully define him. Yeah, we got the sweet car. We got the big car with the, with the big rims, with the big wife. I mean, uh, sorry, hold on. Back one up. One of those, well, I mean, it's unless you're in the big one. Hey, it's whatever, you know, however you want to get down, you know. And we get caught up in the fad and we come into places like this and we say, I can never tell the truth about me because I will be the only one. 
And we look around a room this size and think everyone else has it together, so it must just be me and my family and my insecurities and my own mess. So before I speak and say anything about my struggle with marijuana, I just soon be quiet. Let me just do this real quick. Any, any, anybody in here just, just got stuff in your life that's just messed up, just stuff that you're not proud of? If that's you, just, just raise your hand. Anybody? No, no, keep the hands up. Keep the hands up. Everybody look around. Look around. Keep him up, keep him up, keep him up. You see that cute guy that, that was worshiping and you was checking him out when he was worshiping? Look, he got his hand up. <laughs> keep your hands up. He really see the lady with the sweet stroller, with the Louis Vuitton purse, with the little shoes, with the red bottoms on them that she got from the swap meet. You see her? <laughs> come on, come on, keep your hands up. See her hands up as well. Look, look, I want you to turn to your neighbor. I want you to turn to the person sitting next to you and I want you to say to them, say, neighbor. That means literally turn to the person and open your mouth. <laughs> Say, neighbor, I'm so glad to see that you're just as jacked up as I am. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. He says to this woman, because what will happen is we'll, we'll, we'll carry this stuff in our lives. We'll carry it. And we'll come to worship service and sing these great songs. You are the everlasting God. How great is our God. Here I am to worship. And we have all this baggage in our mess. And the scary thing for you and I is that you can just learn how to do this. You can learn how to go in and hear great worship and hear a great sermon and, and have the conviction of the Lord on your life and get back in your car and go back home carrying the same mess. You can get so good at it that you can learn to live with this addiction. You can get so good to where you used to cry when you got convicted, but now you've lost your tears and you figured out how to come in a church service and how to lift your hands and how to worship God, and how to hear the word of God and still go home carrying the same junk, struggling with the same mess and never fully giving it to Jesus. There are times when you will extend it to him and say, Lord, just, just, just help me in my mess or help me with my struggle. But as soon as the service is over and as soon as you say amen, you pick it right back up. You you get back in the car and that night you're stressing over the same mess again. The dangerous thing is we can learn how to do this. You can learn how to just carry it. You can just learn how to walk with it. And I'm not talking about struggles. I'm talking about sin. You can just get used to being addicted to the pornography and still worshiping God. Jesus says, if you want this living water, you want to have to stop coming to this well. If you want to break this cycle in your life, it says, go get your husband. And bring it to me. Go get this area in your life. I'll, I'll close with this. I have a friend of mine who struggles with homosexuality. We have this great accountability relationship, and we can just talk to one another. And I, I just call him, and I'd be like, man, how you doing? And I'll never forget, last time we talked, I called him, and I said, man, how you doing? And he said, Albert, I, I failed. And I could tell that in the posture of his voice on the phone, he was waiting on me to come back with my normal, my usual MO, man, the grace of God is sufficient. He's a restorer. He's a redeemer. He's a forgiver. And just trust him, man, and he'll redeem you. His but I didn't say nothing. I didn't say anything. And finally, when I broke the silence, I said, man, you're going to have to ask yourself the same question that Jesus asked the man at the pool of Bethesda in John chapter 5. He said, Albert, what's that? 
So you're going to have to ask yourself the question, do you want to get better? Do you want to be made whole? And I said, and before you answer the question, don't come back real quick with some Sunday school answer saying, yes, of course, I want you to stop. I want you to be quiet and I want you to think about this answer because this could be one of the most important questions that you will ever have to ask in your life. Do you want to get better? Y'all, we sat on the phone for another five minutes in complete silence. He just sat there as I could hear the tears trickling, trickling down his face. I could hear him crying. I could hear the voice and I could hear. Finally, he broke the silence with his soft, humble, meek voice. And he said, no. Says, I don't, Albert, I don't want to get better. Because I've been doing this for so long. I've been walking. I've been living this double life for so long. I've gotten used to it. And the idea of letting this go to follow God on some journey where I don't know where the steps would go and follow God and just to trust him with my life. I don't want to do that. I, 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 I can't imagine what that life would be like. I'm afraid. And I don't want to let this go because I'm comfortable with what I have now. So if I was to tell the truth, Albert, no. I'm comfortable with where I am. I said, that is the most dangerous place you can live. And I thank you for your honesty. And my prayer for you is now the Lord would give you a mind to want to get better. Because you're set up now for destruction. And you don't even know it. I guess, Mariners, in my last five minutes, the question that I want to ask you. It's, it's much like what Jesus asked the woman at the well. And what Jesus asked the man at the pool. Question number one is, do you want to get better? And if the answer to the question is yes, then I ask you like Jesus asked the woman when she said yes to the water. He said, go get your husband. If you want to get better, bring me your husband. Bring me the area in your life that's broken, that's filled with guilt and shame. Go get your husband. Jesus loves you enough to come where you are. He'll come to your Samaria. He'll come to the place where you've compromised. He loves you enough to when he gets there, he'll expose you where you are. He's not going to allow you to live this life of hypocrisy. He'll expose you. He'll expose who you are and where you are and what you struggle with. He'll force you to come clean with yourself. Because we'll hide this stuff thinking that nobody sees it. And we even deceive ourselves, but we can never deceive God. He'll expose you. He loves you too much to leave you where you are. He'll expose you. He'll come to where you are. He'll expose you where you are. And finally, he loves you too much to leave you where you are. This passage closes with this woman taking her water pot and leaving it at the well. And her running in the city saying, come see a man who told me all I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And this woman who carried guilt and shame now carried this great big voice coming out of isolation and declaring the greatness of God. And the whole city came to Jesus. Do you want to get better? Are you willing to bring this area to Jesus? Because he loves you too much to leave you where you are. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Just the few seconds that I have. If you're sitting in this room and you say, Albert, I'm like the woman. I've got some areas in my life 
that have been in isolation. I've got some areas in my life that I haven't disclosed. And I've been living as if God doesn't really see it. I've got some areas in my life that I desperately need to put before Jesus Christ. And today, yes, I want to get better. And I want to bring this area to God. I want to experience this living water in my life. I want to stop this cycle in my life. If that's you today, I want to pray for you. And I'm going to ask you to do something bold and courageous. I'm going to ask you to trust God. I want to pray for you. If that's you, I want you to just stand up right where you are. Just stand up right where you are. If that's you, just stand. Stand up. Stand up. If it's you. If it's you. If that's you. I got some areas in my life that I desperately need to surrender over to Jesus. Don't sit and try to negotiate with God. Listen, if you could fix this stuff, it would have been fixed a long time ago. You can't fix it. Give it to the one who can. Don't sit and try to pull out a three-point plan of how you're going to make yourself better. I don't need to make a, a, a statement of faith by standing. I'm just, we did the Lord, we're going to work. No, 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 no. If you could work this out, it would have been worked out a long time ago. You need a power that's greater than yours. This goes beyond your own willpower. You can't beat this, but I'm telling you, I know someone that can. This living water can satisfy your soul. Trust him. Trust him. Trust him. You've been living this way long enough. Trust him. Break the cycle in your life. You don't have to keep coming to this well. You don't have to keep losing this fight. There is a power that you can stand in and you can win. There's a grace that's available to you. You can win. It's no judgment in this room. It's all grace. It's no judgment in this room. It's all love. It's all grace. Receive the grace of God. Don't sit there and worry about what people are going to say. Receive the grace of God. If I'm talking to you, stand. Talking to you, stand. Has everything to do with God and has absolutely nothing to do with me. I don't get extra credit. I don't get a bonus check if I have more people to stand. I don't care who stands. But I tell you, if you like this woman, you should care. Because there's a way of life that God has for you that you're missing. You don't have to carry the weight. There's one who's stronger that can carry it. Christ already died for the stuff that you're carrying. There's a victory, there's healing available. All you got to do is receive it. And in order for you to receive it, you got to surrender. Surrender. 15 more seconds. If you're struggling, if you're wrestling, don't debate God. I'm telling you, you won't, you won't win. 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 Five more seconds. I see you struggling. Trust him. Trust him. Trust him. Trust him. Those of you that are standing, would you just lift your hands all around the room? Just lift those hands all around the room. Lift those hands towards heaven. Father, we come to you with our hands lifted up. It's an external sign of an internal reality. All around the world, lifting up the hands is a sign of surrender. So God, in this room, we want you to see externally what our heart is doing. Our heart is surrendering. Our soul is surrendering. We simply say, Lord, we give up. We throw in the towel. No longer will we try to control our lives. No longer will we try to control this mess. We can't manage this mess, so we surrender this mess over to the great messenger of God who has a message that will transform my life, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So God, we pray and we beg you, Father, fill us with this living water. Fill us with the power of your Holy Spirit. Fill us.
do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Bring healing, bring hope, bring deliverance. In Jesus' name, we surrender every area, everything, every ugly place. Come into our Samaria. Come into our place of compromise. God, we thank you for being a God that loves us enough to expose us. That loves us enough to put us in the family of God where we can be honest and transparent. And thank you, God, for being a God who loves us enough never to leave us where we are. Today, we leave our water pot and we receive your water, your living water. Fill us, lead us, change us like only you can. In Jesus' name, amen.